Hey, Benedict. Hey, Daniel. Welcome back to the pod. A well-deserved week off. Thank you. I missed being here. (laughs) (laughs) I took that half hour where we record, and I really just lay on the beach and listen to the waves lap on the shore. Who was it? One of our friends early on used to joke that it sounded like you were miserable, like you hated doing it, (laughs) which is not true (laughs) at all, but it's just what's funny. The first few episodes where you were like getting like, what is this? What are we doing? Figuring it out. Yeah. I think it was Sean. So last episode that we were both on two weeks ago, we talked about how we had sent offers. One person accepted and we had sent an offer to two developers. And now a week from today on August 16th. 16th. Yeah. Both of them start and they both have tweeted and announced that they're joining. So we have Matt Swanson and Jose Farias. I actually don't know how to say his last name. I don't. Sorry, Jose. Yeah. That's F-A-R-I-A-S. Yes. And they're both phenomenal and they're both people who listen to the podcast. So really sorry, Jose. (laughs) And um, (laughs) they're, it's really cool because they're both people who write about, they're both Ruby on Rails developers, but they both write about Ruby on Rails and are very bought in on the way of doing things that we have bought in on also. And Matt's blog, boringrails.com is one that I know you've referenced. I've looked at it a little bit, but you referenced even more as a, how should we do this? How should we build that? So it's pretty awesome that we're getting to work with somebody that we've leaned on. And I know Jose's referenced his. And then Jose's also working on a book about Hotwire, which is uh, the one of the Ruby on Rails framework, I guess we would call it. Extensions, add-ons, I don't know. It's kind of a... Yeah, yeah. a way yeah. for building UI stuff. That's a little newer, so it's cool that he's working on a book about that. And yeah, I mean, we couldn't really think of two better people to join as the first two non-you and me developers. Yeah. No, I'm super excited. And even working through or talking through Jose's coding take home, it was just exciting where it's like, oh man, like this is interesting. Or, oh, that, oh, it's interesting how you did that. And his expertise in Hotwire, he threw some Hotwire in his example project and just, yeah, being really excited to have that expertise from both of them on the team and being able to learn with them and just have people to collaborate with and feel like we're all philosophically on the same page in terms of how we're approaching building it. It's especially, as we mentioned in the past, trying to establish that engineering culture. It feels like two first perfect people to help build that foundation. Yeah. And the culture part, and then how do you attract other people who eventually want to join the team when we're ready to do that? Other developers, like great people who are already defined in engineering style publicly, but yeah, they do seem to have a very thoughtful and kind approach. Like Jose sent a Loom video during his code project, and then you reviewed the project separately, but it was just nice hearing him talk through it. And it was so thoughtful. And he said something, I think on your call that we all, the rest of the team really liked, which was ultimately the the users first, the customers first, you know, and the product is second. And then the code part beyond that was, I think third, I think that was the order he went in, but it was ultimately like, they both seem like people are very excited about building for these types of customers and engineers we talk to typically the ones we end up clicking with the most are ones who are excited that we're building a product for our customer's customer. Like they really like that there's Mm -hmm. an ultimate end user who is incentivized to, or where the incentives are all very aligned with us and our customer and their customer. So everybody's Mm -hmm. working towards the same goal, which is I have an outcome in mind and I bought this product. How do I achieve it? And it's nice that they get it. Yeah. It's a very clear and simple way to make someone's life just a little bit easier. Yeah. So related to that, product stuff has been a big topic at Arrows recently. And 
I don't know if you want to dive into what you're dealing with, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's been interesting trying to figure out exactly what the pipeline is. I don't know if pipeline is the right word, but what is our process for taking our long-term vision, turning it into features, and then now, more recently, getting very concrete on what role am I playing? What role are you playing? What role is Colin playing in the product design and kind of product thinking? And then what role will the developers who are coming to join us play? And so it's been an interesting kind of balancing and figuring it out process. And at the same time, we've also been pushing forward on the Salesforce integration, been working with a developer from Upwork on the Salesforce integration, bringing some of their domain-specific expertise to that feature. Now we're at the point where we're trying to integrate all of those different things into a week of work, basically. Well, yeah, not all of it in one week, but yeah, each week. Moving <laughs> no, that's week what back, yeah. yeah. Like, how do we break it down into something that we start tackling in a week? There's a few threads that are worth pulling on there. So the Salesforce thing and the Upwork contractor we can talk about in a second, but even pulling back, we have this whole vision that we've wanted Arrows to grow into for a while. That was stuff that you and I talked about a lot that we brought in team members and it's like, oh crap, we have to try to turn that into something they can understand. Now they're starting to hear from customers and they're starting to grok their own idea of what Arrows becomes. And now we're having to chunk that off into, well, what are the priorities? Like what are the things that we need to build in the next two months, let's say? Like we said, the first eight weeks of Jose and Matt being on board, like what are the things we really would like to build that, you know, what does that mean? How do we fit things into that? How do we prioritize that? So then we're starting to do that in parallel, the Salesforce integration, which is one of those big, hairy, but important features or add-ons is, has been looming and going, but it's tough, like balancing all those things while also trying to build something that is useful when you build a feature, but also knowing that feature is going to impact something you're going to build in six months. And how do you not build too big of a version of it, but not too small that it's not useful. And yep. the balancing act there is has been challenging, so we're still sorting that out. And part of it, yeah, especially. Oh, go on, go ahead. Yeah, I think especially because looking at other products that solve a similar problem, and also just B two B products in general, a big piece of it is your integrations and how many other products do you integrate with and in what way can you integrate with them and how powerful is that? And that feels like it feels like such a big foundational piece of the long-term vision for the product is being able to pull in data from other tools and making sure everything that you could possibly want in Arrows, all of the data, all of the pieces of information are actually there. And so there's a big pressure on trying to figure out what is that foundation that we're building right now with the Salesforce integration being the first instance of that integration framework. And so one thing we just talked about right before we got on the call was mapping out what some other integrations might look like given the structure that we're moving towards and mocking up currently. Yeah, so I think one thing that you mentioned that's been interesting talking about people like Matt and Jose who are building out or an extension of the engineering style and culture, whatever you want to call it, that we've started building ourselves is if we've hired somebody on Upwork who is an expert in Salesforce and Rails, they know Ruby and Rails and everything, and they started building the first version of the integration for us. And it's been awesome because they brought a lot of expertise and experience building that, but they maybe aren't building it in the way that we would necessarily build things. So we're now coming to terms with that. Then we also talked to one of our customers last week to confirm, hey, is this version of the Salesforce integration, would it solve the problem that we talked about with you previously? And we learned that, oh, actually it sort of solves it, but not completely enough. So then you've gone back to the drawing board to redesign or restructure some of the architecture of how we do integrations. 
And then we just, that's aligning with basically this idea that, well, maybe leaning on an Upwork developer is great for something like this, where we haven't dealt with that API before and that platform, but then we can rebuild or restructure a lot of their work to fit our way of doing things, but using them as the foundation, which I thought was an interesting accidental discovery. Right. Some people call it a spike where you explore the technical limitations, requirements, that sort of part of it, figuring out the rabbit holes or just the basic technical steps you need to make something functioning. Mm -hmm. And we have that right now. We have the ability to sync to a Salesforce account and pull in data into arrows and create customers based on Salesforce data. And so technically it's there, but taking that spike of technical knowledge and then reapplying it to a more thought out version that fits more in line with what we're trying to do in the long term. Yeah, I just had, you know, spikes are a common thing, but I hadn't really thought about leaning on a domain expert to do them and having them as a Mm -hmm. sounding board and a way to learn. But then just going in with that idea that we're not going to like just wholesale adopt this way. We're going to use that as the exploration and then build upon it. So that's pretty interesting. But the broader product questions are, you know, an interesting challenge of There's a lot of really cool things we want to build, but we have had this sense, it's hard to say this, and I I mentioned this on a customer call, but in some ways, Arrows is not a complete product that we think about at times. It is a good product for the people who adopt it. We have very little churn. People who adopt it and it clicks for them, they love it. And we're very fortunate about that. But in a lot of ways, there's demos or customer calls that we have or calls with prospects that they don't choose and it's because it just is not complete yet. It does a lot of things really well, but then there's just these other parts that are like, this feels missing. And it's not like they go choose a competitor, they just stay with their spreadsheets or project management tool. So we're starting to do what Benedict mentioned, like getting data into arrows, which is part of the completeness, having a Salesforce integration, but also integrations in general. So arrows is not a siloed tool, but then basic things like simple reporting and a few other features that we just need to round out the baseline version of Arrow. So we're trying to balance that. What is the the ideal version of a feature might be a two-month version or a six-week version, but actually the making Arrow's complete version is probably a two-week feature, a two-week version of that feature. And so we're starting to chip those things off, but they're still figuring out what that line is within them is, is hard because it's a lot of stuff we know we need and we want to build. But what is, how do we make it small enough that it's tractable, but also big enough that it's useful? It's probably our number one problem right now, our number one product development challenge, I think. Yeah. And I think it's funny because I feel like we've said stuff like this last year, even Mm -hmm. after we shipped the initial version. I think we've had that feeling of trying to get to baseline for a while. And I think we've also had points where we felt like we did hit baseline. Yeah. And I think that it has always, going back to the sales calls, you realize, oh, it's still a bit in the future. And I think to a certain degree, that'll never go away. But in another sense, it's also a good sign that this is a deep problem and there is a ton to build here. And I think that we have a lot that we can do to help folks with this problem. Yeah, definitely. Like it's not a small thing by any means. So part of that gets into the other side of things, which is marketing or awareness. Like we do pretty well when people come in. Most of the demos and customers we talk to are inbound. Our sales pipeline we talked about a few weeks ago is filling up really nicely. Like we missed our July goal just by two customers. We're really close, but it's not that we didn't have other people we were talking to, just a few people closed first few days of August that we were hoping were going to close in July. And we're not really in the mode of pushing people. We're not really that hardcore about sales. We're feeling really confident. The challenge is we just need more 
more people to come book demos. We need more inbound. We found that the inbound customer prospect that we talk to is usually feeling the problem and much more aligned and they're much happier to talk to us. So with that, we've got Sherelle on our team, the customer experience person. A lot of his role is now evangelism and just talking to people. So like being out in customer success forums and communities and LinkedIn groups, and I'm trying to go on podcasts and things more just to build up general awareness. And we also have this content marketing firm we've talked about before that we're working with to add a more weekly consistent heartbeat of content on the website. So we're publishing regularly. We feed them um, information about each post and they turn that into a more research and well-written thing. And it's all early, but it's coming together. But the thing I think that's interesting about it is we're starting to, you know, demos we can close now, but any marketing effort we expect is for the following month. So we're starting to shift our timelines a bit more now that we have some room to breathe. Whereas in the past when it was just me and Benedict, you know, anything we did today needed to leave to sales like this week. Now we can do things now that plant seeds for one to three months from now. And eventually we'll start planting seeds that are further in the future, but we're seeing more compounding growth, which is nice and more people searching for arrows in Google and things like that. So we're not really sure what our primary marketing channels or anything will be, but we're starting to run more tests in parallel and with more people on team and, and get more data there. Whereas in the past we would do it in fits and starts and that was always a challenge. Yeah, it's hard to do something consistently when there's a hundred things that you individually need to do, you know, it's just <laughs> yeah it's tough but with more people they can actually put the proper amount of energy into it and consistently more than anything one thing i'll say too on this topic is the thing i've been balancing in my mind is how do we do this SaaS sort of marketing sales playbook is pretty well worn and will work just fine for us. So we want to do enough of that that we're not hurting ourselves. So, you know, content marketing and blog posts around these topics and webinars and general awareness building and SEO, that will all work and we'll get people into a sales funnel. Like we'll just keep chipping away at those things. While also we want to be making sure that we're doing things that are true to arrows and true to us and true to the sort of company we want to build. So we're trying to balance that. Like what are things that feel unique and uniquely arrows? And that's something I'm, I'm hoping we will keep doing more of. I think the friends of Arrows campaign when we launched was a uniquely Arrows idea. So what are more of those? The Angelist RUV, like getting friends in our funding round was a a thing that's very true to us. So we're hoping we have more to do there and we're, we're starting to work on some ideas. Yeah, looking forward to it. Cool. All right. Talk to you next week. See you next week.